0: To Manchester's Big Theatre podcast. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Joe. How are you? How you
1: yeah, good. Uh, we, I mean, Sophie went out in a social capacity last night and went, but to Talk talked to all things podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and um, we went to see Education, Education, and Education at the Lowry and um, by Wardrobe Ensemble, which was um, really brilliant, absolutely yeah, brilliant.
0: They're on tour around the country, so have, uh, check them out. They've not
1: paid us, but I just thought it was yeah, a genuine, really brilliant. Today, we are, um, well we've are. we had a brilliant response from the Hope Mill uh, Theatre episode um, and uh, some comments about how interesting it is to find out stuff that people didn't know about these venues, which is why um, uh, why we're doing this.
0: And I think it was nice seeing the parallels between 53.2 and Hope Mill. So
1: today, uh, we are interviewing Matthew Zia, uh, who has, for the last three years, been Associate Artistic Director at the Royal Exchange Theatre, so it will be... Um, Uh, his work has been quite different from people we've talked about talked to so far which have been kind of projects that they've launched themselves Uh, Matthew came to the Royal Exchange three years ago um, obviously to a building that's existed for about um, over 50 years uh, and uh, has played a different role in that building
0: so yeah we hope you enjoy
1: Matthew, thank you for coming and being interviewed by my Big This Podcast. Thank you very much. The first time we met, you were interviewing me for an artist development. Now the tables have turned. Oh, are <laughs> you going to develop artistically. artistically? Uh, no. No, no, no just, but you're going to grill me. Grill, yes. yes, so um, this is Matthew Zia, who was, until very recently, one of two Associate Artistic Directors at the Royal Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us just a bit about
2: how you... Your journey uh, up until that point. Up until that point, uh, yes. So uh, uh, a little bit of a naughty kid, Uh, in need of extra attention, I think, and like that that classic thing of being a bit. And this is what I've been told, so it's going to (laughs) sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but being a bit too smart for class uh, and not necessarily academic. So got quite bored and would rather poke the kid in the ribs next right, to me okay. or do whatever to distract and, and get attention um, and, and then I kind of discovered drama and theatre uh, initially through school like uh, and I was so naughty I remember 20 minutes this interview's got to be up. <laughs> I'll cut it down I can dance <laughs> it uh, but I remember Mr. Alexander I was meant to play who was I meant to play Young Scrooge or something like that or was it Wind in the Willows or I don't know some play I was meant to be in in school and I was naughty and I did something so he made me come and sit and watch in the front row all three productions of the show, all three performances, without me, without me in it, like as punishment. Um, and then I was told about a local youth theatre down the road, which ended up being Theatre Royal Stratford East. So I wandered along, um, far too nervous to go in on week one, and ran away. Uh, and my mum said, "What are you talking about? you down here," because um, <laughs> she is a stock character from a Cockney movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I did. I went down again, and I paid my subs, and I went in, and. That's kind of where it all started, I think. Um, So that gave me a platform, told me that I had a voice that that was interesting and people wanted to listen to. Um, Also, I saw people acting. And I saw... Because it's Theatre of Stratford East, which is absolutely kind of rooted in its community, um, I saw people playing kings and queens and whoever, but none of them looked like we would expect kings and queens to look like. Uh, One of the very first shows I saw was called Scrape Off the Black, and I was like, this is literally... Uh, a version of my life oh, okay. uh, on stage so kind of representation reflection and mirrors and all that stuff was was there and apparent um, and then I kind of journeyed through the Royal Stratford East whilst um, I was deviating but that makes it sound um, yeah because you were, uh, I, am I right I think you were a DJ at yeah. the Paralympic yes, Games yes yes um, and other times <laughs> yeah I didn't just do one gig and that was <laughs> it I was like oh, yeah, this is easy this isn't it um yeah no but it was kind of I I, um, I, I did some extracurricular activity basically I fell in love with music I fell in love with hip hop uh, I started I often describe my career as, as having a go at something working out I can't do it and moving on to the next thing okay. within that realm this is um, what happened the world exchange this is exactly <laughs> what yeah that's why I'm here now um <laughs> No, so I started off by rapping, and I wasn't very good at it, and then I started DJing and producing, so that kind of got me into that. And then I had a small radio show, uh, which I was told was community, but it was in a garage, so it was definitely pirate. (laughs) Um, But I went and did that for a while, and then it kind of built a, a bit of a head of steam on it. I was interviewing guests like... Estelle Roots Maneuver Skinny Man Black twang Kind of UK hip hop artists And then I got a call out of the blue From BBC One Extra And they said We'd like you to come and do a pilot So I went and did a pilot And then I became the first DJ signed to BBC One Extra Um In 2002 or Something like that Um so you got a lot of experience interviewing people. A lot of experience interviewing people and talking for hours.
1: Um, and I'm right, so you, so theatre wasn't a big part of your family background.
2: No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. My granddad was uh, kind of self-educated, working-class carpenter and joiner, um, like the good man Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, and he, but he was like it's fascinating because it? working-class bloke, uh, absolutely kind of impoverished you know we grew up in a house with an outdoor toilet and they were hot running water it was like absolute poverty um, but yeah he was into opera and classical music mm-hmm. and arts and painting and my mum was into poetry and politics uh, and I was brought up by those guys because my dad had moved that's the easy option um, so my dad had moved kind of not too far around the corner but I mean, I was brought up by my mother and my maternal grandfather um, and I can absolutely see all of them in me um, so then I left Stratford East, but I came back as a composer and I wrote a hip-hop musical for them, uh, and it did very well. And uh, I became associate director there. I joined their board of directors. I was on their board for ten years. So I've had this long association with them, and I think that's, like, that's my training, because I didn't go to university. Um, but that's where I spent my formative years, I guess, in rehearsal rooms and making work and doing bits of acting. i seen a short film... Um, again, I realised one, I probably wasn't very good at it and didn't enjoy it very much and took a side step. And...
1: and so, the fact you didn't go to university, is that something you're aware of as you
2: kind of work in these buildings? Yeah, yeah, the more and more. Um, uh, you know, I see there is a kind of expectation about the sort of person who should work in theatre, and they're not from a house that had no hot running water and they have been to university yeah, yeah, yeah. and often they've been to quite shiny universities um,
1: yeah right okay so moving on uh, you've just directed Frankenstein um, uh, at the Royal Exchange when you're kind of choosing the p- plays that you want to put on or maybe they're not
2: plays the pieces mm-hmm. of fit you want to create uh, what, do, what do you look for? depends where we are depends how big the room is that we need to fill uh, so that's a very big room 720 odd seats in the Royal exchange in the round um, it felt like we needed to do something canonical or, or established um, I kind oh, of
0: just not not been to university. University. <laughs> uh, from
2: a man who's not been to university uh, but can black heart uh, canonical from the canon of the canon um, the canon of Of tried and trusted literature, yeah Um, So I started off by wanting to make Animal Farm Because I think every piece of art Every piece of art is a political statement Um, And then I like my political statements to be really political So I wanted to start with Animal Farm Um, And we started looking at versions Found a brilliant version by a guy called uh, Lawrence Wilson We were going to do that And just as we were about to start the process of Putting a creative team around it uh, the rights were snapped up by Hollywood, kind of worldwide rights stopped. Um, and so Sarah said, Sarah Frankum, artist director of the Royal Exchange, said, uh, what are you going to do? And I said, <laughs> uh I don't know. Um, she said, well, it has to be, you know, I think the thing about doing something from the canon is it's a known title. And so there's already an audience hook. Um, also, I think, with a, a 720 seat auditorium, if it happens to be a set text In any particular universities A-levels, GCSEs and that helps And actually they have been loads of schools and, and university and college groups Coming to see the play Um but she said, "Well, what are you going to do then? I said, I don't know. Uh, Dickens. She said, which one? I said, Bleak House. She said, "Nah." I said, Curiosity Shop. She said, no. I said, um, uh, Gothic Horror. She said, which one? I said, Dracula. She said, no. I said, Frankenstein. She said, why? I said, I don't know. I've, we literally just played a game of tennis, and I had, I've got the ball. And you asked me why I've got the ball. Um, so I went away and thought about why Frankenstein and what it was... Um, and I... Had I read it? I think I'd read it a long time ago. Um, but kind of reread it and, and did lots of reading around it and watched a bunch of different movies and, and decided that the thing I was interested in was kind of twofold, ultimately. Um, how does society create monsters? How does, this, how does society decide who a monster is? Uh, and, to, and to present a very honest version of that that allows an audience to... Each individual audience member to find their own monster... And decide why he has become a monster, uh, and then a kind of toxic masculinity tied in with a, a with a, a masculine ambition that is often overreaching and destructive in its very nature, um, and that became the, the lens. I guess that that April De Angelis, the writer, and I then kind of pushed the book to end up with something that. You know, by having Captain Walton on stage and Victor Frankenstein on stage, these two men who are both overreaching, but one teaches the other one maybe not to reach so far.
1: Um, So it sounds like there's an economic reality there when you're choosing the work, and especially at the point in your career you're at. I suppose you'll fill in quite big venues, aren't you? And
2: you're kind of marrying that with artistically what you want to do. Yeah, so you've got to make choices. You don't want to bank, also, you know being in a house you don't want to bankrupt the organisation you want the organisation to succeed and not to fail and you don't want to be going to the arts council going we spent all the money and we didn't make any money um, or, or the local authority or whoever it is that's kind of funding you and I think the, that's that's the tightrope walk that artistic directors have to do of of being bold brave, innovative ambitious and making sure the numbers stay in the black and don't go into the red
1: um, and so talking about your role in as an associate Artistic director in Manchester, in the Royal exchange, uh, what were you uh, kind of having looking at those three years wasn 't it Yeah. Yes, theater looking back at those three years you just at the, kind of just finished what were your kind of biggest achievements and challenges there, those years?
2: Um, I think the biggest challenge is the challenge of working in a building that 's constantly in flux, but that 's what all Good arts organisations should be And how you You know Whether a restructure Or How you contribute to the big ideas That sometimes feel like they are About business And building and architecture But actually the architecture is about the art And how you facilitate the art And give the artists and the audiences the best Space Physical space to exist and to communicate with each other Um so I think that was that was the challenge. Um, how, how was that a challenge, more specifically? So buildings mm-hmm. influx and your job well, as the
1: associate?
2: Well, as the associate, knowing that I really want to make sure that I feed into the conversations about the new right. tender, who's going to run the restaurant, because I think it's really important that whoever runs a new restaurant understands what's happening in that big circular space out there and the space beyond it in the big hall. Um, and actually, so getting Rupert and Goshka in, who one's an actor, one's a very successful restaurateur, um they run small venues, they've run large venues, they really understand. And the fact that he's an actor and a director means he absolutely gets the two-way stream between the food and drink offer and the art. And and they should all be part of one thing, which is the experience of going to the Royal Exchange.
1: And that's the, the decision you were part of to open yeah. Rivals, which opened about six months ago, was Yeah, it? just before Christmas. And that's actually massively changed the feel of the bit theatre building, hasn't yeah. it? Right?
2: Yeah. yeah. And so I think you know those sort of things are things people... Maybe often don't think an associate artistic director is going to have much right. say over, but me being me, I wanted to make sure that I had some say <laughs> about that because I care about the total experience. Um, very simply, the thing I'm... The other challenge is, is making big plays in the round. Um, it right. is a challenge, and it always will be a challenge. Um,
1: but was that's the was job, that, isn't it? So. And was that role, in terms of your role, was it kind of... Fifty percent that leadership side of stuff feeding
2: into conversations and then 50% directing shows? Oh no, like 20% directing shows right, yeah, yeah. and maths is bad 80% <laughs> uh, and doing the rest of the, the right, okay. um, helping lead an organisation Which is really interesting actually if you chose chosen not to,
1: I suppose you could have carried on being a freelance mm-hmm. a director couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've chosen not yeah. to And I've always wanted to be an
2: artistic director that's the kind of I'd say the end goal Let's not make it the end goal. Let's do something after that. That's the next goal. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's the big plan. And then to to say what I'm happiest about, proudest about, is is open exchange. Uh, So it's comprised of two things. A network of people uh, and then a series of development opportunities, uh, including accessing free space, tickets, masterclasses, workshops, um, to allow people to, to... Communicate and collaborate better, I think, is the idea about it. And to, to offer people the chance to upskill um, and to see how different practitioners make work.
1: And that is the artist development network, is that what you'd call it? Yeah. that uh, didn't exist
2: bef- before. No, it didn't exist. And also, I think, from talking to artists, the Royal Exchange was a bit of a closed shop, uh, particularly for local artists. So that's how, that was the kind of reputation. Um, and Sarah Francom was very aware of that and said... What would the Royal Exchange look like as a home for local artists? And
1: and now that's become kind of feature on no the matter. There's the Open Exchange. There's the collab yeah, festival collab. in July. Festival in July.
2: We have React, which happens thrice yearly. You've done one of those.
0: I'm doing the next one. You do the
2: next one as well. Okay, there you no, go. No, she's, she's not here. <laughs>
0: Just talking to spirits
1: in the corner. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's Sophie who's holding the microphone. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> she has done a React. I uh, oh, he's doing one now. Um, or soon Um, um, so and then so yeah uh, so you've kind of spoken actually about yourself in your role and actually the challenges for the venue like you said, is there thinking about this kind of theatre scene in Manchester which from the interviews we've already done has um, seems to have changed quite a lot in the last three years, maybe since you arrived Matthew maybe you were the (laughs) 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 Um, and how, how from inside this building, the Royal Exchange, how did you see that change? or what, kind of, what um, the,
2: the fringe seems to have become more solid and secure. Uh, there now seems to be tiers to the fringe and I think that's good. So you've got your kind of pub theatre venues that are there and have been there for quite a while but then you've actually got dedicated fringe venues that are theatres and I think that is, is always the next step. So it's like, found spaces is where people start and then dedicated spaces is, is the next devolution right. so somewhere like hope mill or the place that is numbers and therefore i can never remember it 52 3 53 Fifty-three-two. there yes. you go episode three of the podcast there you go <laughs> um yeah so you know i think i think that that's there's a really flourishing fringe and there is more crossover now between the fringe and and the more resourced work um so, yeah, you know, I, I think of seeing particular actors or directors making work on the Fringe, and then I'm seeing them rocking around the World Exchange or Home or the Octagon, and I kind of like that, you know, it's showing that, that, that the transference, the roots are clear.
1: And what, um, thinking about, like, yeah, the theatre ecology in Manchester, what would you say are the next steps, what are the challenges, um... It was quite interesting talking to Joe and Will on the previous episode Home Hope Mill, talking about they've started taking work to London, which I think is mm-hmm. quite an important part of their business model and how they're, the life of their venue... What, yeah, what do you think is ne- ne- next for the
2: fringe scene, I suppose? Or the theatre the scene? Of yeah. scene. Um, the theatre
1: scene in Manchester, yeah. Uh,
2: I think there's lots of stuff on the horizon about how organisations start to work together. Um... Particularly large organisations supporting smaller organisations, and that's coming from the Combined Authority, that's coming from the Arts Council. They're saying that we can, we've got lots of extra funding to hand out, but we're going to hand out this funding if four of you can come together and make a, a project or an idea. Um, I think. for buildings, For organisations. Organisations, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting seeing what John McGrath does with his next. International Festival, yeah. So he had one, but he kind I I feel like he arrived very quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the purest expression of John, and I wonder now, you know, he would have been able to put things in motion that would have reached fruition four years down the line now that he would have started when he first got there, and I wonder what they'll be and what projects are there. Um, uh, The factory, I think, is really going to change. Manchester's um, theatre... Industry ecology for, for the better, I hope. Um, but you know, there will now be a huge venue in the space uh, in a city that can yes. uh, that can hold three different spaces within it at once and.
1: And that's factory that is the Manchester International. Well, a venue that's going to open, yeah. run by the Manchester International Festival, where they
2: split off. I don't I, or not. Yeah. Um, and that is a,
1: a thousand seater, I something think. Like or that. Something yeah. like that. And, and then can
2: the movable walls and quite modular. Um, so I think all of that, and I think what that means is that, that I think Manchester is the. I have to say some controversial things now that I've returned to London. Uh, London is clearly like one of the theatre capitals of the world, along with New York, right? So that's, that's apparent. Yeah. But it feels like once you leave London, the next place you should head, if you are a, a theatre aficionado, is Manchester. I think it's it's eclectic, t- truly diverse, um, broad in its scope and its range and the stories and the artists who are making the stories in a way that feels like London. Um, so, be, you know, it's never going to have 200-odd theatres like Mm. London does. Um, It's always going to be a smaller city. It's it's all of those things. Um, But there's such a a kind of high integrity for making art in this city now, and I think that's shifted. And and you look at home, you know, like having an art house theatre in Manchester, which is is new, and there aren't many of those at all outside of London. Most cities don't have art house theatres in that way.
1: And in terms of your... So you kind of did three years in Manchester... And you've moved back to London now. Yes. Is being kind of completely honest in this hard-hitting journalistic podcast? Mm. What is that an important? Is that was it important to you to move
2: back to London, which is like you said one of yeah. the capitals? I think there's not <laughs> enough work here for me, um, so I could make a show here every year if I stayed in Manchester, kind of mm. thing. Um, or I could try and make a show at the theatres I feel like I share an affinity with um, but that's what I want to do anyway so I might as well go to where there are ten times as many theatres yeah. and build those relationships with all those organisations knowing I can always jump on a train and yeah, yeah. come and make a show in Manchester because you have that
1: relationship with the Theatre Royal Stratford East, the Young Vic you've got a quite a f- that is probably a, quite
2: difficult to have the same thing in Manchester yeah, yeah. yeah. and I don't know they 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 have serious clout, some of those London theatres. So the Young Vic, the World Court, um, conversations with people like Paul Miller at the Orange Tree. Uh, and, and for me, that's it. I want to work with the very best theatres, and that means, for me, that I kind of have to be based in London but willing to go and work in Liverpool, Manchester, Sheffield, Nottingham, Southampton, Leeds, those places where those great regional theatres are as well.
1: Yeah, and that... Um yeah and and to be honest that could be that's the case now isn't it for an artist at your point in your career maybe in 10, 15, 20 years it might not be the same might it but I think it's interesting to be honest about about the real positives Mm -hmm. and also the realities Uh, also
2: you know like I've got to make money, I've got a kid I've got a (laughs) house, I've got things to pay for like most people Um, in London there are 12 accredited drama schools so I can go and teach, I can train, I can run workshops in Manchester and, you know, there were like two. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and fa- so coming to, we've not talked about, and one thing I wanted to ask you about was um, the diversity, which is one of the topics you're quite passionate about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in terms of how that fits into Manchester, what do you think um, Manchester and, say, the Royal Exchange, which you've got the most experience of, what is it doing really well and what, is, uh, what could it do better
2: the inside of buildings is still incredibly uh, white, uh, middle-class uh, able-bodied um, university-educated, all the things that we expect institutions to be, all of the institutions still are, um, where we're seeing changes on stage. Um, but I've always felt like that's the easy. Thing to do, like just cast some different people, pick some different writers, tell some different stories, tell that story but cast it differently. I think that's, and, and you've got short contracts, you know, uh, if, if we can get rid of these 15 people and get another 15 people in two months' time when we have another show on. Um, so there's always the opportunity to kind of um, reinvigorate what's going on on stage. I think where it doesn't shift is in the is in the makeup of the staff in buildings in the front of house teams that welcome you and greet you in buildings um, backstage you know like, you, I, I defy anyone to name more than two three non-white female lighting designers who work in British theatre um, like I met one of them the other day uh, and one of them uh, although I think she would rather be a technician was working here for a little bit um, but that's where those changes have to happen because what I hate is walking down a street as, as diverse in the truest sense of the word as market street yeah. and seeing the whole world between Piccadilly and here and then walking into a building like this and, and most of that world outside vanishing um, so that's where we have to make the changes
1: Cool,
2: and that's good slightly pessimistic
1: no it's not a pessimistic no. it's, it, it's so an important of action. yes of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, But thanks so much. It's really interesting uh, uh, interview for me. Thanks so much. That's brilliant. Thank you.
0: So that was Matthew Zia. Um, How did you find that, Joe?
1: Yeah, really interesting. Really, um, yeah, really quite an interesting, thoughtful, very articulate. A person with quite a large vocabulary.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's so eloquent in the way that he communicates about theatre and about how theatre should be run. The whole diversity argument was very, very interesting, saying about just walking down the high street and how all those people disappear yeah. when you walk into the theatre and such a mammoth task to how do we yeah. go about this?
1: And we could almost do, maybe that's something we could do a, a whole episode on actually. Um, um, yeah, and, and also talking about the Manchester theatre scene um, and how that's changed, and the challenges within a building like the Royal Exchange, I think, um, is so massive. The Royal Exchange that it's very different outfit from Hope Mill Theatre to kind of fifty three two, where there's kind of one, two, three people kind of calling the shots or kind of working together, but a small team. Um, whereas I think the leadership roles in the Royal Exchange must be kind of um, quite a, a different kind of challenge. Completing. yeah that's it that's all we've got to say yet yeah, again uh, we're obviously not as articulate and thoughtful <laughs> no, we both just in so much awe that
0: we're like what um,
1: but yeah thank you um, uh, we don't know who we're going to interview next so watch this space yeah watch this space um, we're going to do one more episode. We've gone to now two a month, uh, so uh, this is our first episode for April, and we've got a second episode for uh, the end of April.
0: Just subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, thank you for the Twitter followers recently. It's making our egos grow, which is what's most important. I yeah, guess. and
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got. I'm going to be saddling the MBT podcast. Twitter overtakes my own actual Twitter followers. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh yeah, brilliant. This is been Joe.
0: And I'm Sophie.
1: And this has been Manchester's, Manchester's big, big theatre podcast. podcast.